Hey, everybody, it's Eric. Whatever you end up doing, love it. The way you love the projection booth when you're a little squirt. Hey, guys, this is Joe. I'm old. I don't want to hear you talk anymore. I want to hear others talking about you. Alfredo! Seis! Puoi partire. You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? This had to be one of your employee picks, right? This definitely was. And I was just telling you before this started, this episode is the uh, test of our friendship right now. So <laughs> this is a pretty- A lot of pressure. I haven't- the movie. <laughs> Joe texted me earlier and he was like, or yesterday, I think. And he was like, you don't have to tell me like what your score is, but like, did you like it? And I was like, you're gonna have to tune in to find out just like oh, everyone else. Can you tease, man? It's unbelievable. Gonna let, let the tension build a little bit. But how's it going other than that? Yeah, not too bad. I uh, just saw the Uncharted movie with my brother. Have you seen, have you seen our previews for that? with Tom? I've Hall seen previews for it, yes. Yeah, so uh, once upon a time, Eric was playing a video game on the PS4 called Uncharted 4 and he stopped playing halfway through. So this movie might be a good like rundown of the game for you. So. How's, how's Mark Wahlberg in it? It's really weird. It's like I liked him in the movie, but as someone who loves the games, like my some of my favorite games for the console, the casting was so wrong for both characters. So it's like I had to get that. I had to get behind the fact that both characters were just cast super, just really bad. But once I got past that, Mark Wahlberg was fun, and him that that banter we had with Tom Holland was pretty fun throughout the movie. So they were good it's, in it. I don't remember what movie we were talking about <clears throat> recently, but my fan relationship with Mark Wahlberg is so weird because I used to be such a big fan of his and then he just made like a handful of movies in a row where I was like oh my god that's <laughs> yeah. you know what I think was like a big turning point for me with him is I hated him and not in the way that you're supposed to hate him his character in The Departed I was like it just I know you're supposed to not like that guy but I hated his performance in that movie yeah and I think after that and then there's another movie that he was in that we'll, we'll eventually do that I didn't like. And I don't know, but I used to be like a huge Mark Wahlberg fan. And, and I don't know. It just only takes so much, I guess. Yeah, no, like, I'm, I think like, like he's like, I never really loved Mark Wahlberg. He was kind of like the, 
this you know, Boston tough guy for like all of his films early on. But once I saw, I know I don't think it's his first movie, comedy wise. Once I saw the other guys and his acting that movie, I started liking him in a different way. I'm like, and then I don't know what happened. He kind of went off the rails, like like you said, he kind of went off the rails from me, where I kind of lost interest in his movies. He was, he was in way too many of them. But then I yes. saw, but then there's a trailer I just happened to see uh, when I was seeing Uncharted. Father Stu, have you seen that trailer for that no, with Mark Wahlberg, no. where he plays? It's like he's. I'm not sure what the story is. It's a true story, apparently, but he looks like he's maybe like a tough guy who's kind of aggressive and violent, and then he turns his life around becoming a, by becoming a priest, and it looks really good. So I'm not sure if he's like trying to challenge himself a little bit with a different type of acting job, but it looks interesting. I was I was flipping through Netflix. Um, I don't know if it was Netflix or Hulu or something the other day and there's this movie uh two guns with him and denzel and i'm like and i'm and i'm not by the way i'm not looking for this movie to be like the greatest movie of all time i'm just looking to be entertained <laughs> and i'm like so i'm looking at it i'm like god it's got mark Wahlberg in it. i don't know if i can deal with that but then i'm like but it has denzel and i do love denzel <laughs> so i did i didn't end up watching it. i think i might have added it to my list or something as like a possible later when i have nothing else to watch when did that come out? Because I remember seeing, was that during the movie scene days? I remember seeing that cover a lot, or the poster maybe. I can't no, this was this is later. Yeah, this is later. Yeah. Than, I don't remember. I don't know exactly, but I feel like it was in the past, maybe like twenty fifteen or fourteen or something. I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but uh, so, have you been watching anything else you need to talk about, or no? That's Uncharted was the most recent thing. So, <laughs> so I have, a, I have. I know, a few I know things, you. So. I was gonna say, I know you texted me about uh, one thing you watched. I'm not sure if you watched anything else on top of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been watching a ton. So, first of all, I'm all caught up on Snowfall. I don't remember if I was when we recorded last week. So, new season comes out. The new season comes out next Wednesday. So, hopefully, this episode will be released right around when that comes out. So, next Wednesday, the 23rd or whatever. Um, that show is so good. And the end of the fourth season was, it, it's, I don't know how that show doesn't get more attention. I feel like it's just a, um, like, there's too many shows out now. And and I think, but anyway, it's so good. If you have four seasons, that's I realize it's yeah. that like this month for that long. Yeah, insane. Yeah, very good. Um, and then for movies, on a recommendation from one of my very good friends, I watched Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, and I did not like that movie. Oh really? <laughs> no, okay. no. I was like, it was like John Wick, but with. An even more Bob ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't even. I like Bob Odenkirk. No, that's me too, not what but it was definitely me. weird to get around the fact that he's playing like an actions, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I can deal with him being an action star, but the whole when it was like when I it started going downhill is so. I already said it's like John Wick, so you you guys kind of get a little bit of the plot. It's this guy who's living like a pretty mundane life, but he has this backstory as this badass and. So these guys break into his house and they steal a bunch of, they steal some money and some other stuff along with his daughter's, his daughter has a neck, uh, a bracelet, with a cat on it. And where they lost me, where he's punching this guy or no, he's like threatening this guy. And he's like, where's the goddamn kitty cat necklace or something like that. And I was like, how did he even, that would have <laughs> taken me 50 takes to say that seriously. So I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that one. I thought the fight scenes are pretty weak and whatever. But like I said, my friend recommended it. the one that I texted you about though was the Tender Bar with Ben Affleck. Um, it was directed by George Clooney, <clears throat> and I liked it. It's 
not like it's not amazing. I don't feel like I have to tell people about it that they have to see it, but <clears throat> I liked it. I think you would like it because the story, I saw a lot of you in the story, which that kind of ties in with the movie that we're talking about today. I, I totally get why you like love this movie and not that, it, not that you're the only one, but, but so yeah, the tender bar, I would say if you like a coming of age story, if you like stories about like blue collar towns and everything like that, it's worth checking out Joe, just because of your, your love for like writing and everything like that it's good i think ben affleck's really good in it so worth worth checking out yeah i want to see it <clears throat> and then two more documentaries they have to mention the first one is uh like less of a shock one uh, uh summer of soul on hulu it's directed by quest love and it's about this concert that no one including myself until i watched this was aware of that happened in, in uh, Harlem in 1969. So it was the same summer as, as uh, Woodstock <clears throat> and no one talks about it. And it wasn't why I didn't talk about it because of Woodstock. <laughs> Just overshadowed well, what it it yeah. But it went on for like, I think it went on for like six weeks. So it was in this park in, in Harlem. And, and, you know, if anyone's listening that knows more about it, I'm doing my best to just summarize it. And, but it would be like the people that played this concert at just a park in Harlem, it blows your mind like the, the the people that played it. it was like stevie wonder sly and the family stone nina simone bb king gladys knight and the pips like all these people and it's this cool documentary because you have all these people it would be like you joe if you were like yeah when i was like i was 13 and i went downtown you know in the, at the citizen center and so and so was playing and, and it was just and it's kind of talk about some of the political stuff that was going on at the time and why it was important and whatever, oh, but yeah, I definitely good. recommend it. Is that on Netflix or is that on Hulu? It's on or is Hulu. That on Hulu? It's on Hulu, yeah. <clears throat> and I, I can't recommend it enough. It's it's so cool to just see, and it's where it's such an unknown, like a forgotten thing. I can't imagine being one of the people that can say, like I was I was in you know this park and I saw you know whoever I saw BB King play and and no one knows about it. You know what I mean? It was yeah, it That's was really insane, cool, man. What? <clears throat> I mean, can you imagine being someone like who was there and being like, hell yeah. of a show, <laughs> all these legends yeah. in one location. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. And it went on for, like I said, I think it's like four to six weeks, four or six weeks, like on the weekends or something. It, it was, it was such a fun watch. And then the last documentary that I have to mention, totally crazy. Have you seen or heard about the Tinder swindler? Dude, I watched that. Wasn't that those Dude. those women deserve it? You know what? I don't even care. I said that. You know what? I said I that. I feel to... bad for them. Yes, I feel bad for them. But how dumb can you be? Let's be real. It's like I told Pop, like Pop, I'm like we've only been dating for like you know less than two years now. Like if I ask you for four thousand dollars, like just don't give it to me, all right? <laughs> well, you know what? You know when I said that too, and we have to be like th- these women were pretty gullible, and they got taken. If you haven't seen it, they got they got taken for a lot of money, but. The thing they made me at the beginning of it, the first woman they're talking to, she straight up says, she's like, oh, you know, and I was I'm meeting him and then he's rich. So I was like, ooh. So it's kind of like, yeah, well, you kinda, yeah, you kind of got what you deserve a little <laughs> bit. I don't think I don't, don't get me wrong. They should have got their lives ruined. Yeah. And the guy, yeah, you know, I, won't, I won't spoil it, but <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely worth checking out just for like a, a shock and awe. You definitely feel pretty bad for the second woman, though, the friend. Like, because she was a friend. Like, so you definitely feel bad for her, her situation, I think, a little more than the first girl. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel, I feel bad for all of them in the, in the fact that they lost. Like, I, I would have, I would have, it would have been 
if they just lost like a hundred bucks, I wouldn't feel bad at all. But right, they yeah. they got they got really taken. But yeah. it's it's a fun watch. <clears throat> you know, you know also me. you know also watch. I completely forgot about it, but I probably forgot about the right reasons. I saw Married Me because Pounds I watch it with Jeffrey Lopez and Owen Wilson. Oh my god! <laughs> it wasn't. It was, this was Pounds' pick, so I was like, I was sitting there watching. Wow, I'm we disappointed. Have, we, we have, we have Peacock, so it premiered Peacock. So I didn't go off and wish for this one, thankfully. Um, but boy, it is what you'd expect. So <laughs> I can't believe it took three writers for that movie, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, three writers to write that that film. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I don't think I'll I don't think I'll be seeing that one unless unless we're like twenty years from now and we're still doing this podcast and we have like a write-in request from Pow to do. <laughs> um, but anyway, so enough, enough of what we've been watching. So you guys heard the trailer, you heard our quotes. You may not have recognized our quotes because this movie is in Italian. So our quotes that we gave you were kind of subtitle based, but Joe picked this movie. I'm going to let him get into why he picked it. Um, but to go with it, I'm drinking Verona Italian Pilsner from Rising Tide Brewery in Portland, Maine. I worked pretty hard to find something Italian themed. If anyone tells me that this was set in Sicily and Verona is not in Sicily, then shut up. I did my best. I found an Italian Pilsner to, to drink while I watched this movie. That's pretty good. So, Joe, this is your pick. Why'd you pick it? What's your memory? My birthday pick. So, I almost picked this so many times during our old format, but I figured it was, it was finally the right time, especially since you had seen this movie before. So, I was excited to have the discussion on it because it's kind of tough to just be like hey we want you should watch this three hour subtitled film this weekend so this was a reason for me to make you watch it and hopefully enjoy it we'll see later on to be Um, to be clear about one thing though i don't remember what you thought you told me but i the version i watched was not three hours it was like two and a half ish yeah no yeah you're right yeah you're right and that's a good thing i'm glad you made that (laughs) clear because they're very different so eric and i are talking about the theatrical version of cinema parody so um and this is i don't know the last time i the first time i saw it was well, definitely during before while i was working we've seen because like you said it was an employee pick of mine um but this is not to give a whole lot away but this is my favorite movie of all time so this is, really is your yeah. favorite movie all, wow yeah, okay movie of all time so this is this movie is very special to me and this is this is this is why this is a pretty important reviewer so <laughs> just, no pressure very clear yeah. So yeah, like like Joe said, this is my first time seeing this one. Before seeing it, my memory was it's kind of one of those foreign films that like if you talk to someone that and who's like a real movie fan, this is one of the foreign films that they recommend. It's like this and like Seven Samurai and you know, there's a whole there's a whole like a kit of of foreign films that that people recommend and I just for whatever reason I never saw it, even though Joe let me borrow the DVD like 25 years ago or something. <clears throat> so I've had the DVD. Now, yeah, you, you enjoy it. <laughs> I've had the DVD forever, and I, but I think the thing is though, I have to be in a certain mood to watch a movie like this. And where I live, obviously I live with my wife, so it's it's like it makes it more difficult because we both have to be in the mood to watch this movie, and and that's even tougher. And the fact that it's it's two and a half hours. That's like, that's like, you know, and I go to bed. If there's not like a Bruins game or a Red Sox game, I usually go to bed. I'm usually asleep by like 8.15. It's a, it's <laughs> it's a, a tough I'm sell old. for someone, for sure. It's definitely a tough sell for someone who's like, you know, who has never heard before. Yeah, but I, I like the idea of it. Like I knew a little bit of the story and I do, I'm not someone who does not like foreign movies. Like I've, I haven't seen a million of them, but I like 
City of God, I really like. That was one of my employee picks in movie scene. So, so there are foreign films that I, I really like. I just hadn't seen this one for, for whatever reason. But um, I honestly have no idea how this is going to go. I didn't look into this at all. Do you have any stats as far as how it did financially? So I have some stats like um, based on the U.S. box office. So Cine Paradiso came out on November 17th, 1988, and had a budget of $5 million, making a little over $12 million in the U.S. It was both written and directed by Giuseppe Tornatori, who has also written directed movies such as The Ledger 1900, The Unknown Woman, and his most recent film, which was released in theaters in Italy on the 27th of this year, called Ennio, which is a documentary about the composer, um, Ennio, who was a longtime collaborator with Giuseppe and composed the score for this movie, actually. So that's definitely, they made every one of Giuseppe's movies from this movie on was composed by him while he was still alive. He passed away last uh, in 2020, um, the uh, composer. So it's going to be a really, I think, nice love letter to their friendship and him as a composer. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So. Um, so just because of all the names that Joe just said, we, we kind of, before we started recording, we have to mention, first of all, if I butcher any Italian names, give me a break. I don't speak Italian. I'm doing my best. Second, you guys may not have heard of a lot of these actors and directors and whatever, because I know I hadn't, but, you know, we got to cover what they did and, and everything. So stick with us, but um, we'll do our best to explain what we can. So critically, th this movie, like I said, it's on, if you Google, you know, best foreign movies of all time or you know, it's even uh, it's included on the 1001 movies you must see before you die list by Steve Schneider. Um, this critically, this is thought of, you know, people love it. So 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 90 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, three and a half stars from Ebert. That's a solid review, but that's kind of surprising, don't you think? Yeah, because it's like, <clears throat> like I feel like this movie was made for him. <laughs> that's exactly what I think. I was like, this is like porn for Roger Ebert, I thought. But so this is a, an excerpt from his his review. Uh, yet anyone who loves movies is likely to love Cinema Paradiso. And there is one scene where the projectionist finds that he can reflect the movie out of the window in his booth and out across the town square so that the images can float on a wall there in the night above the heads of the people. I saw a similar thing happen on a night on one night in Venice in 1972 when they showed Chaplin's City Lights in the, in the Piazza San Marco to more than 10,000 people. And it was then that I realized this is the same thing this movie argues. Yes, it is tragic that the big screen has been replaced by the little one, but the real shame is that the big screens did not grow even bigger, grow so vast that they were finally on the same scale as the movies they were reflecting. So he seems like he loves this movie. And he's like we said, he's, this seems like it'd be right up his alley, but, and he gave it three and a half stars. It's not like he didn't like it, but I would have guessed for sure. This is four stars from Hubert. Oh, me too. Yeah. <clears throat> and it also this won uh, awards at the Cannes Film Festival, Golden Globes, Academy Awards, you know, so this, this movie has quite the reputation. So some stuff that was going on in November of 1988 in the film world, some releases, um, not as critically <laughs> loved. The Brain, Child's Play, They Live, Ernest Saves Christmas, Land Before Time, which is a big movie for my yep. very young, yeah, when I was a little, little kid, um, Oliver and Company, and Scrooge. So <clears throat> not a bad month um outside of theaters mexican radio station erroneously reports that mike tyson died in a car accident geraldo rivera's nose is broken in a brawl with skinheads while taping 
uh, and this Joe, this one, I knew you'd like this one. So Kokomo by the Beach Boys goes number one because of what film, Joe? Do you know? I don't know. It's Cocktail. So it, go, oh, it came back yeah. and oh, it went God, number one. That movie and God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then Oral Hershiser wins the NL uh, Cy Young. Jose Consenco wins AL MVP. And then Murphy Brown premieres on CBS, which I still think of Murphy Brown when I see a like a woman in a suit coat, like a, a all business. I still think of Murphy Brown. So um, do you have a back of the DVD summary for this? And then I'm also going to ask you to, well, it, let's, let's see what the back of the DVD summary is first. And then I'll. Yeah, this is kind of a, like, this, this is kind of a tough one to s- summarize. Um, young Sotor discovers the perfect escape from life in his war-torn Sicilian village, the Cineparadiso movie house, where projectionist Alfredo instills in the boy a deep love of films. When Salvatore grows up, falls in love with a beautiful local girl, and takes over as the Paradiso's projectionist, Alfredo must convince Salvatore to leave his small town and pursue his passion for filmmaking. So, I'm going to, and Joe, help me out because you've seen this movie a million times. I've seen it once. So, you follow Salvatore. There's, there's three people that play Salvatore, and I'm going to cover them in a little bit, but there's like little boy Salvatore, probably like high school age, late teen Salvatore, and then adult um, Salvatore and he grows up in this town and he is kind of like a um, it's almost like a Marty McFly doc relationship where he's like he's hanging out with this older guy and it's kind of weird but at first he's just like a little pest and the and, and uh, Alfredo is annoyed by him but yeah like Joe said eventually he they kind of bond over a few weird things and something happens to Alfredo so he kind of need they need each other a little bit and he falls in love with film and then he goes off into the world. So it's a, it's a coming of age sort of movie, Definitely. but yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a pretty good description and, and oh, yeah, yeah, there's uh, love and there's all. Yeah. I have a question for you. Um, between the three versions of Salvatore, is there one you liked the best kid teenager, um, or like young, young adult and adult? So I think I liked the teenage version the best. I liked when the little kid, the little, little kid in the, right when you first meet him, he's just so annoying. Cause he's a little kid. He's supposed right. to be annoying. So that I took some points off for that. Like I was like, I started off not liking, I started off finding him annoying. Yeah. Whereas the teenager, I was like, I don't know. I, I had more patience for him throughout his whole thing, but it was definitely either the one, one of those two. What about you? So like you said, I can't choose between the kid and the adult version of Savator. I, I think the, I love how quiet the adult version is and we still like have all this emotion like built up we know like what he's feeling without him saying any words but i think i i do like i do really enjoy young young toto on screen for the first quarter of the movie i think what what made me and you've seen this more times than me so what made me like start it's it's kind of the same thing it's a first impression thing i guess with me what made me start off not liking the adult version is the first thing you see in the beginning of the movie is he gets this call from home and you don't really know who anyone is at this point, but he gets this call from home that someone's died and he's kind of like, he comes off almost as like cold, you know what I mean? So you, at the, based on that, I was like, this guy kind of seems like a jerk, but yeah, obviously no, you get the whole, I, yeah, yeah. You get, you get the, yeah, that's, uh, that's like, I think what I felt to watch this again with, cause Powell's watch, we watched, uh, we actually watched the, so, Pariso last year for the first time at theatrical. Um, 
Oh, she's never seen the director's cut. We watched that, and it really is. It's wild how different the movie is. It's absolutely so, wild. So you watched them a year apart. No, no, no. So I watched no. So like I watched the theatrical with Pav the first time. The theatrical okay. version last year. I watched it again getting ready for this episode. Okay. Um, for those who don't know, this is we usually record on Wednesday nights. We're recording on Friday because I had a little bit of a back issue. So yeah. that gave me a little more time to watch the director's cut as well, just a couple of days ago. Just so how many like, times? How many times did Pow watch it this week, though? Uh, she watched the the director's cut once. So okay, um, I was gonna say that is amazing. Not that it's a bad movie, but that's a commitment and a half. It's a long film. <laughs> um, so yeah, so no, I think that's good. I think we get a decent understanding of what the plot is. It, yeah, it's a coming of age story. It's love. It's a lot of classic Hollywood, like Shakespeare-y stuff. So. Um, cast members and how they're doing coming into this movie. So Child Sal, also known as Toto, he's played by Salvatore Caschio. He earned a, an award for this one, a BAFTA award for this. He was in a few other things, but this is kind of his big accomplishment. And if you want to feel old, Joe, Salvatore is 42 years old now. <clears throat> I feel old. Yes. <laughs> so, so that did it. Uh, mission accomplished. Marco Leonardi played Sal as like that teenager um like later in life thing he was also on life water uh life water for chocolate or life water for chocolate once upon a time in mexico from dust till dawn three so he had a decent little career jacques perrin played adult sal a french actor he's also known for the truth in 1960 captain's honor a captain's honor in 1982 the young girls of rochefort in 1967 donkey skin in 70 almost a man the search He's also produced like nature documentaries um, and he's done a little bit of everything. So cool career. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Alfredo, the local theater projectionist played by Philippe Noret, Nour- um, a French actor who, and again, guys, I'm butchering these names. I'm, I'm doing my best. A French actor whose film career started in 1949 with Gigi. He was cast primarily as the everyman character. Although, so this is just a note on his career. Noray was cast primarily as the everyman character, although he did not hesitate to accept controversial roles, such as in La Grande Bouffée, Bouffe, I don't know, a film about suicide by overeating, which caused a scandal at Cannes in 1973. And in 1991, Andre Tachini cast Noray in J'embrasse Pas, I Don't Kissed, as a melancholy old homosexual obsessed with young men, which Kudos to this guy for taking some weird, not weird, but like very like you know, risky brave. Goals, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. 1987, he was in the Gold Rim Glasses based on Giorgio Bassani's novel about the cramped social social life of post-war Ferrara in Italy. He played an elderly and respectful doctor who was gradually suspected of being a covert homosexual with a passion for young men. Um, yeah, so he he had some some bold roles, and that's you gotta respect that. And then uh, young Elena is played by Agnesi Nano. Uh, and then Brigitte Fossi plays uh, adult Elena in the extended cut. And then Antonella Attili plays Maria Davida. And then Papella Maggio plays the older version of her. So again, I did my best with all those names. Do you have any notes on any of those careers that you want to correct? No, no, you definitely hit them better than I would have. I have a, I have a headache from trying to pronounce all those <laughs> names. I almost texted my, my old boss is... Um, he, he's not born in Italy. His father's born in Italy, but he speaks like fluent Italian. And I know for sure that he probably loves this movie. I meant to text him and be like, 
dude, I finally saw Cinema Paradiso and it's, it's good. Um, so the more you know, random facts, what do you have down before my so list? I have some like almost like some on the history of Italy, some on the history of the film or just like some random facts of the film. So I'll start off with, you kind of touched upon it's high in the rankings there, but this is ranked number 26 non-English speaking films and the critics poll conducted by the BBC in 2018. By the end of the 12 month period of 24, Italy's entire film output had not, had not exceeded 20 titles. As 220 titles were released during 1920, by 1924, Italian cinema was slowly dying. Um, so this is kind of like a, this is more of a, something that you may not have caught, because um, it's not, I'm not sure, the version that you have, Eric, I'm not sure which one it is. But in some versions of the shorter theatrical release, a shot of a much older Elena appears in the final credits. After the communication of the death of Salvatore's father, he and his mother are walking across ruins. At this point, Salvatore sees a poster of Gone with the Wind and smiles looking at it. Earlier in the movie, Alfredo says to Salvatore that his father reminds him of Clark Gable. So kind of a cool little nodding, yeah. kind of like a callback there. Yep, yep. And my last one is a little cameo from Giuseppe. He's working at the projection machine when Salvatore watches the compilation of scenes that Alfredo made for him at the end. Yeah, and that's if you look into the, well, we'll talk about that after, but so yeah, I, I had, you had uh, one of the ones I had, uh, the other ones I had was where Giuseppe Tornatore's intention was that this movie should serve as an obituary for traditional movie theaters, like the one in the film. And that's, that's, um, that's kind of one weird way where this is, it's kind of sad because I think he thought that movie theaters were going to die out a lot faster than they did. But now it's almost even more relevant again because now movie theaters are having a really hard time with all the streaming and yeah, right. And everything like that. But especially um, the smaller ones, like obviously like the right. chains are doing a little better, but the small ones, like you look at like what we have in Boston and Cambridge, those stairs are definitely struggling a lot too because of you know what's happening right now. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool nod to support your local theaters, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so, and then by the end, I, I don't know if you said this, I know you said something about how many movies they were getting, but by the end of 1956, Italy had 17,000 movie theaters, the most in Europe. Um, Philippe Noret said all of his lines in French, his native language. He was later dubbed by Italian in Vittorio de Prima. In the French version, he dubbed himself. Uh, and then Tornatore photographed over 300 young Sicilian boys before he cast Salvatore Castillo as young Salvatore. So, Insane. yeah, he had quite the, the list to choose from. Yeah. Um, stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment. Did you have anything? No, I didn't. We talked yeah, about this a little either. bit before recording. This is set in the 50s in Italy, different time, different culture. And it was even that was pretty tame. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I want you to go first with this one. What's your favorite scene? The end scene, the yeah, very end that's, scene. That's kind of why it's I... like you knew where it was coming. This is, I think, watching the journey of Torah has been on makes this one of the most emotionally impactful and beautiful endings of all time. I personally think it's the best ending for any movie of all time. I've always thought this, even since like when the, during the movie scene days. It's just something You're about it just only hits one. me. No, it's on I a know. lot of lists. Yeah, and like it's, it's so beautiful. Like I almost when I, when we make this Instagram post, I'm gonna post that scene just because it's so powerful, but. If anyone listens to this at all, I want you to not watch them. I'm going to know this too. You really don't take, you, you really won't appreciate it if you don't watch the movie. The journey, it right. takes a lead to this ending. If you just watch it 
on YouTube, just to, you know, it won't mean the same thing. So please watch this movie from start to finish and see the ending because it is I wouldn't incredible. even I agree, and I wouldn't because of that, I don't think you should put it up. Yeah, you're probably right. But the ending is incredible. Now for some other smaller scenes I really enjoy. The church scene when young adult um, Sal is trying to talk to Elena and he just quickly asks Alfredo for a lending hand to distract the priest. And I love how he just like, you know, it's like, I can't tell you why, but please do this for me. And Alfredo agrees and he just does it. He puts on a show to distract the priest while mm-hmm. um, Toto sinks into the priest box to talk to Elena. So I thought that was a great scene. And I also really love the brief moment when Salvatore visits his childhood home for the first time in years. We see, again, this is a journey that we feel like we've known this character forever, but it's only, it's only like two and a half hours long. But we see, we've, once he's going back home, looking at his childhood bedroom, we feel like, you know, we run with this character too. So it's yeah. a really quick moment, but a really powerful moment. Um, but this something I could choose from, but those three are probably my favorite. Yeah, I had, uh, the reason I wanted you to do it first is because I think the end scene is probably most people that have seen this, it's their favorite scene. And it's probably mine too. I, I, it is, it is a really good ending. The other one that I liked, even though it doesn't, um, doesn't lead to the best thing, but I love that scene where there, he puts the projector out, um, on the wall and the whole town is there watching, watching like a movie together. And I love it. And then I also, it kind of makes you feel bad because like, I, I, I feel, I feel, I just love the idea of everyone in the town goes to see a movie and then they were like sharing their opinions and everything. And I feel fake saying this after I spend the beginning of every podcast talking about how like I've watched like nine movies and these shows on TV and I've listened to these podcasts, but I do think that we have too much sometimes. I think there are too many options and it's cool to think about a time when everyone in town would go to this theater, either inside or outside and watch the same movie and then whether you liked it or not you could voice your opinion and talk about it the next day and everyone knows what you're talking about because you all yeah. it's not like oh you watched a show on abc i watched a show on you know hbo last night it's like no there was one thing going on we all saw it what do yeah. you think yeah no i i, I completely agree and, and the just to tie in with that the i think my favorite part about this movie not a scene but just the the views and it was like the perfect amount of like old school where the views were beautiful it, it looked like such a beautiful part of italy and and it was from um uh his hometown as well so i, I think i think i read that somewhere so yeah just the just the scenery and everything was was great so i'm gonna say the next question and then just shut up and let joe talk soundtrack oh boy absolutely incredible Ennio Marconi, the man needs no rundown of, a legendary, of his legendary career, and he's considered to be one of the best composers of all time for good reason. I'm definitely someone who thinks that as well. Um, he's probably best known for all the movies done by Sergio Leone uh, since A Fistful of Dollars. More specifically, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is probably the one thing he's, people know him for pretty quickly. He's also collaborated with Giuseppe Tornatori since Cinema Parties, like we mentioned, and now Giuseppe, Giuseppe is doing a documentary on him. Um, but the soundtrack of Cinema, to Cinema Party So is one of my personal all-time favorites. And I love this so much. I even imported the vinyl way back when. It's absolutely beautiful and somehow inspiring. Uh, the tracks, Cinema Party So is 
so, so beautiful. The track Childhood and Manhood almost makes you feel nostalgic for this character, even though we've only known Toto for a couple of hours. Um, and then, of course, the track Love Theme is breathtaking. It's the one we hear um, during a lot of the romantic scenes and the ending. I can't speak more highly of the soundtrack, and if you haven't listened to it before, make sure you let it play through from start to finish all the way. Yeah, it's no, pretty it's... breathtaking soundtrack. And like we were, I don't know what we were just talking about. Oh, the ending. This is just like the ending is on a lot of lists for the best endings of all time. Um, the soundtracks on a lot of greatest soundtracks of all time. So um, I can't disagree with what you said. Now, this is going to be tough for you. If you could change one thing about this, what would you change? Honestly, I think I, I think it's amazing. If, if you were reviewing the theatrical version, I would change some things around that. But it's one of those things where the company was right for having Giuseppe cut down this movie to where it is now, because I think right now it's, I don't think anything has been changed or added or removed. Um, it's the perfect balance of getting the characters, not wasting the viewer's time and just making it an awesome coming of age story. Um, it's, an, it's a great journey. So I don't think I would change anything. And the reason why I think the runtime is as long as it is, is we get, uh, we get to learn about all these characters, even if they have a, like a small amount of screen time, we still think, it feels like we know all these characters, we know all these people who are in this little town in Italy, we know the guy who runs it, we know the priest, we know Alfredo, and um, it's just it's just insane how two and a half hours makes you feel like you've known this entire cast, so I wouldn't change anything, I'll ask you. So, yeah, I didn't have anything that really jumped out to me. The, I think the one thing that I... I, if I had to do something, I think there's stretches of the film where it feels a little too almost like, um, but I, th I think it's just kind of an old school. Like soapy or romanticized? Um, maybe that's a way to say it. Like there's just, I, I could have used more ups and downs at a certain point. Like it feels like just like pleasant scene. Yeah, I guess that's a way of saying it. Like pleasant scene after pleasant scene after pleasant scene. And it would have been, I think it could have used a little bit more adversity. I know when the theater burns down, it's sad, but there were stretches. There were just stretches of it that felt like too smooth. Don't get me wrong. I, I didn't, I liked the movie. It's just, and it was fun. It just felt a little too pleasant at some points. And then the only minor thing I had to mention is when the theater does burn down and little 14 pound Toto drags 300 Dude. pound alfredo no. <laughs> i was like come on like that scene the fact that alfredo sacrificed his goddamn eye to put on a show for these people and they don't help him told us to go in and help him <laughs> i was yep. like yo if you don't deserve this free movie scumbags and, but in reality they would have died because the toto would have died too because it's like that kid it's hard for a full size it would be hard for me to to move alfredo if he's like not you know with just unconscious let alone a kid that weighs 14 pounds so but no, I agree. It was, it, there's not a ton that I would, and I haven't seen the extended version, but even the version I saw is not a ton that, um, <clears throat> that I would change. So we've come to the point of the podcast where Joe's like nervous and sweating. this is where we, yeah, just sweating. This is where we rate the radar movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee? So a score of one is you turn it on for a little bit. You find young Toto too annoying and you turn it off. Cause you're like, I can't take this all the way up to a score of five which you see the movie, maybe you get the extended cut, you keep it a few extra days and pay late fees because you just want to get the full story, you want to see it a few times, uh, maybe even just buy it from the rental store. So score of one is low, score of five is high. Um, I really like this movie, uh, and I 
I like I said earlier, I totally get why Joe especially loves this movie as much as I can like it and appreciate it. The whole time I was thinking this movie was like made for Joe. I get why I won awards and it's on all the lists and everything too, but just like as far as personal fit, this movie was made for Joe. The love story, the apprenticeship that turns into a friendship, and then the looking back on your childhood, and uh, that's the part that I like the most. And and it also, like we said, it is one of the best endings I've seen in a while. I gave this a four out of five. Um, I know that because it's four, and a lot of people I know won't give it a shot. Like most of my friends, I wouldn't, I couldn't even recommend this to. Um, and I also know that if you watch, this is one of the other ones we've talked about this before. If you watch this movie with your phone by your side without giving it your full attention, you won't get it. You're going to miss at least half of the the point of it. So, yeah, I agree. but yeah, if you do give it your full attention for two and a half hours, or depending on the version. Uh, the attention that it deserves you'll almost certainly love it if you're listening to this podcast you like movies probably so you'll love it um and like i said one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen as far as just the scenery i don't even really know i was watching it it, it just felt like an old hollywood movie it, it's weird it it felt older than the 80s it, older than the than the late 80s and i mean that in a good way so yeah no yeah absolutely and i will add what you just said too that this is one of those movies where I think you do have to try and do your best to watch all in one sitting. Don't come back to it the next day. Try and sit here for the journey from start to finish. And leave and leave your phone in the other room. Yep. Okay. I can respect the floor. <laughs> I can respect it. All right. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's a tough movie. So I was a little nervous you were going to be like three or below. Just, I don't know why. No. I know I knew that wouldn't be the case, but for some reason, like going into this, I'm like, please don't be a three or below. <laughs> this is not two that a, movie. Two and a half. Okay. Toto sucks. Yeah. So I think we all know what I'm going to give it here. I give it a five. Uh, Sam Paradiso is a love letter to people who love movies. Simple as that. We get this character, Toto Salvatore, who very early on finds his passion with movies and shares this love with his role model, Alfredo. In this 155 minute runtime, we learn the world, we learn, we learn about the world around these characters and it makes us feel like we've been there and we know each and every one, like I just mentioned on a personal level. When Salvatore visits his home for the first time in years and sees his childhood bedroom, we as a viewer feel like we've grown with him. It's a long movie, so make sure you set aside time to finish it because it's one of those ones, like we said, we want to, you want to watch from start to finish. Um, but I think everything from the characters to the directing, like you said, to the incredible score, to the very, very perfect ending, it's definitely worth watching. Even if you don't like foreign films, check this one out. Yeah, and, and when you watch it, like this, and anyone who says they don't like foreign films, for most of them that I've watched, once you're five minutes into the movie, you don't even know you're reading subtitles. Right. It's just like your brain turns over. So if you're hesitant for that reason, please don't be. And the funny thing is a lot of my friends who would say that, I don't know if it's an age thing or whatever, but I watch almost everything with subtitles on. If a movie's set in London and they have like Cockney accents, I'm like, I've, I need subtitles. I don't know what they just what they just said. So it's funny. I never did that before, but since with Pao, with Pao, we watch everything with subtitles on because it's just easier for her. But like you said, I at first I was like, this is you know I can't use this because with my own language. But now I'm just like, yeah. whatever. It's like I'm used to it now. It's you you get used to it within a few minutes into the film anyway. So. I know, and Powell speaks like better English than I do, but I know a lot of people who learned other languages by, it would be like if there's a movie that you've seen a million times, so you know every word to it, they'll watch it in a foreign language 
and they know, like I've seen, whatever, The Sandlot. I've seen The Sandlot a billion times. I've seen Jaws, Goodwill Hunting, these movies a billion times, Back to the Future. So a lot of people will watch a movie that they know the words to in another language because then they know what, it, like it just clicks your brain. Right. You know what they're saying, but you're hearing in a different language. So it's cool, cool method. I got to ask now, but before we close out this episode here, did you read anything into the extended cut, the director's cut? Did you read anything no. changes, differences at all? No, the only thing I saw was I saw, uh, I think you mentioned in your facts, I saw that in the extended cut, there was a scene where so-and-so is in, like, but no, not really. Okay. Do you want me to do, I mean, think you'll watch it. Do you want me to tell you some of the uh, changes? Well, tell me, tell me off air. I don't, I don't know. Okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's it's a very love-hate version. I'll say that. Like the, okay. that people always say to watch the theatrical version as your first experience. And I agree with yep. that because the extent cut, well, I won't give anything away. It takes away from a little bit. It takes away from the um, relationship between Alfredo and Toto. So because okay. a, lot, a lot of people don't like it as much, which I absolutely agree with, but okay. someday it's worth checking out. I think just to kind okay. of compare the two of them. <clears throat> All right. Noted. So, uh, my Italian, uh, my Verona Italian Pilsner uh, from Rising Tide was was good. Definitely recommend it. Super super drinkable beer. I think I'm also so used to drinking like double IPAs and like really boozy beers that like when I drink something that's not that, I'm like, wow, this is like refreshing, and I'm I can drink. so it's nice. But no, it really it really is good. So um, follow us on Instagram. Worth a late fee. Worth a late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. We'll be back next week. Um, and this was Joe's pick. So the next one's my pick, and we're going in a completely different direction. There are kind of two, when you think of old uh, civilizations, there's Italy, the Romans, the Italians, and then Boy. there's the Greek. We are watching the story of 300 Spartans. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching. So excited for a second. No, yeah, well, I know. What did you think I was going to pick? I don't know. I was like, are we going to get on the porn from here? Are we going to like, no, no. no, is... no. Okay. We're going to be watching the 2007 uh, Frank Miller film 300 with Gerard Butler and 14 abs on each guy. And God, it's also when we it's also on release day in theaters. <laughs> Me too. I saw this movie on release day at the IMAX, I think. Did you? So, yeah, yeah. I, I think I had two actually. I went to, uh, what was it? I forgot what theater it was now. The yep. Jordans was, I, I can't remember. Yeah, yep. oh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we'll be back next week, guys, with another classic European film 300. Thanks for listening. As always, guys, thanks.